It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the... 4th of April. Jazz win in Phoenix despite being short-handed and an ankle turn to Devin Booker. Joe Ingles with a really interesting post-game press conference or conversation. And we'll talk with you on a Facebook Live edition. It's all coming up on a Thursday edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, Geeky, geeky numbers, and hopefully some insight. We do it every single day for you. It's available on the new Himalaya app. You can get that in your app store, in your Google or your uh, Apple store. It's also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. When you get in your car, tell your smart speaker to play Podcast Locked on Jazz. I'm David Locke, the radio voice of the team, as well as your Jazz NBA Insider. I have a little funny note for you guys. We kind of slid by because it was on a Saturday without any fanfare, which it didn't really deserve, but it's worth mentioning that March 30th was the 8th anniversary of this program, once called Tip-Off, now called Locked on Jazz. Eight years ago, we started doing this daily podcast with no idea and have seemingly done the show, not quite every day, I take some breaks, but basically as a daily podcast for eight straight years at this point. What is wrong with us? What are we doing? It's kind of scary if you start thinking about how much time we've all spent together. Uh, in that regard, it's it's it is certainly um, a bit nighty. Eight years we've done this, so thank you. Um, without your support from the very beginning, we never would have gone eight years, and without your listening now, we wouldn't have built a podcast network out of it. So uh, you're very much a part of that. I hope you feel engaged uh, in that regard. I want to do something a little differently today on the live show. You won't hear it, um, but Joe Ingles. Uh, walk-off interview last night I thought was really, really interesting because the the Suns defended him differently than anyone has defended him all year. They they forced him right. I mean, he couldn't get left last night. They just weren't going to let him. And he not only dealt with it, but turned around with a career high. Um, I thought that was interesting. He also had to do it without his main pick-and-roll guy, which is epic, without favors. And so he had to figure out... How to play pick and roll last night with Epe, who is they had run forty four pick and rolls together all season long in games. Now Joe had an interesting angle on that in regards to practice. So at the end of this segment, we're gonna play that um, on the show that goes out to the world on our Facebook show. You won't hear it. Um, it's just kind of a weird little thing, but I really wanted to let everyone hear that. Um, so the, if you're on listening on the podcast on Himalaya app or any of those places I aforementioned, then you'll just get that here in a minute or two, um, and we'll touch on that. If you um, are on the Facebook Live show, then you will not, uh, and you can kind of maybe if you want to hear it, you can jump back. So I'll, I'll insert that at some point. Uh, it's kind of quick on a live show. It just made a little different. But I thought Joe was really, really interesting. Um, showed you how smart he was. He talked about, interestingly, he talks about how Epe came in the game, understood what um, Phoenix was doing, and actually almost showed Rudy how to do it. And then um, being, you know, and then we're able to flip um, 
the pick in a way that got uh, Epe or got Rudy to understand what Epe was doing. So showed you just kind of the value of everybody. I thought that's what last night's win truly was, was a little bit of the value of everyone. That the Jazz have this team that is, last night, got got pushed a little bit. Um, you ended up without Favors, without Corver, without Exum, without Rubio, without Crowder. And frankly, if Devin Booker doesn't sprain his ankle, I'm not entirely sure what takes place, right? Like, um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll never know, frankly. Fine, we never find out. We got the win. Uh, but the Jazz started poorly. They were down 10 and then down 15 to 2. Phoenix goes to 4 and 9 now in games in which they've led by 10 in the first quarter. So this wasn't unusual for them to lose a uh it was unusual for them to lead, but it was not unusual for them to lose a lead. Uh yesterday we didn't do kind of the probability odds and things like that, so let's do that really quickly. Um and then we'll touch on some of the other I've just touched on some, but we'll touch on a few more of the guys who deserve um, some mention after yesterday's performance. Um, So the Warriors won. Nuggets are at 54. Rockets are at 53 on the 538 projection. So that's still a little tight. Denver still probably needs to keep winning. Last night was big. They blew out the Spurs. Rockets blew out the Clippers. The Blazers are at 52 uh, in the projection system right now on 538. And if you kind of look at this, you know, what what do we – so. We all have so few games left at this point. What you're basically saying is that they think the Blazers are going to go two and two the rest of the way. I find that unlikely. Uh, the Jazz are at 51 and 31. That has us going three and one the rest of the way. I actually find that maybe unlikely with uh, Sacramento on Friday, Denver, and the Clippers and our injuries. I, I actually think that's unlikely. Um, but I'm not sure it's going to matter because the Clippers are at 48. Um, wins. The Clippers are now two games behind us in the loss column. They have the Clippers going uh, one and two. They only have three games left the rest of the way. Um, and so obviously if they go to two and one and we drop a bunch, it gets there, but we'll, we'll see. Then the Spurs and the Thunder. Um, so that's right now, again, I think we're hoping for the, I think we're the fifth seed. That's becoming more and more clear. And then the question is, who are we playing? Um, the Warriors are 100% the one seed according to Impredictable. The Denver Nuggets are um, 56% the second seed. So that's getting a little lower with Houston now uh, at 27, the second seed, 44, the third seed, 26%, the fifth seed. Portland is 39%, the fifth seed, 28%, the third seed. Utah is sitting now at a 71% chance of being the fifth seed. The Clippers are sitting at a 71% chance of being the sixth seed. Oklahoma City is at a 74% chance of being the eighth seed. And the Spurs are at a, are kind of floating in between that six, seven, eight with 55% at seven. So um, it does look like we're about going to be the five seed. And the likelihood is that Portland is at 39% to be the four seed. And Houston is at 26% to be the four seed. Um, we'll see. Uh, what happens in that regard? Uh, I thought, you know, how will Neto deserve some some credit again? Um, his plus minus work is just marvelous. And I was actually talking about after the game and I said, gosh, you did it again. You're plus 18. He's like, no, I was plus 19. So he certainly knows um, what's going on with that. I, I dug up. Uh, we were looking actually at the impact of Trey Young the other day. And I looked I found an interesting little note um, that I'll pull back out here. Uh, and that was passes to shooters. And um, and then I went and looked at it, and the passer's location ha- in the paint. 
So if the pass comes from the paint, um, the number one uh, effective field goal percentage player by a large margin is Howell Neto. It's only on 62 passes, but guys are shooting 87% effective field goal percentage on the 62 passes by Howell Neto out of the paint. Uh, they're 43 of 62 on those. Uh, the the quantified shot quality, actually Dante's the best in the league, so it tells you a little bit about the Jazz offense, um, particularly because Ricky is 7th and Gobert is tied for 7th and Neto is 10th. And So it tells you a lot of this has to do with how Quinn spaces his players, which is perfectly um, every single night. Uh, but the, So Howell's number one. And, um, you know, it's Bam out of Bayou is two and which is weird. And Bielitz is three and 55 passes. There's only there's a limit of 50 passes here. So there's a lot of guys. LeBron is four and Oladipo is five. And then some weird names, Tim Frazier and Josh Koji and Jason John Collins and Josh Jackson. So it's not doesn't doesn't seem to be a huge indicator, but it's it's worth noting. And it's probably part of the maybe a little bit unnatural, frankly, the level of shooting that's going on for the Jazz on Neto passes. Um, and it's probably part of the reason why Howell at this point is one of the best plus-minus players in the league. There, it, there's some data that says this is probably not sustainable, um, but we love Howell, so let's ride with it. Howell is now plus the Jazz are plus 18.2 when Howell is on the floor. He's in the 99th percentile of difference between offense when he's on the floor and off the floor. We're 11 points better offensively, and we're seven points better defensively when Howell Neto is on the floor. Some of that is a great tribute to Quinn for using Howell Neto correctly. Um, so give him a lot of credit. I thought Epe was great, and you'll hear that um, as when we get to this interview here with Joe Ingles. All right, so uh, Jaswin, we'll come back, take your questions on things, look around the league a little bit, uh, and continue talking a little bit about last night's ballgame. Um, I'll touch on Jimmer. Uh, but right now, here's the post-game interview I had with Joe Ingles. No, I actually I thought it was really interesting, Joe. That's his dramatically as I've ever seen a team force you to your right hand. Yeah. And you, I thought it was a huge sign of kind of your growth to how you're able to deal with it. So give me a thought. Like when, thank you, David. (laughs) Um, I think he has a lot of good things to say about you. I don't don't believe that. (laughs) Um, yeah, I I think it was, to be honest, obviously Igor knows me well. Um, I think at the, at the the start of the game, they were, uh, kind of a bit, a bit more back, but still sending me right. And, once me and Rudy kind of figured that out early on, um, yeah, I, just, I guess you just got to kind of figure it out along the way. We, we figured out what was working and what to go to. Um, Epe got it going a little bit, I think, when he came in. Rudy kind of saw that and um, kind of followed his lead a little bit. Um, but, yeah, you just got to, yeah, work out how they're playing you and and, and work it out and, and, and fix it. So you and Epe had run 41 pick and rolls together all year <laughs> we probably before 41 tonight. tonight. <laughs> So what happens when all of a sudden you have a game like this and you got to run pick and rolls with a guy you haven't run with all year? Um, to be honest, I've run a lot with him at practice. I, I okay. play with the second unit, with, with that unit a lot at practice, um, especially when the, the point guards were out. I was kind of playing point on the, on the second unit. So I have played with him a lot, um, and he just he just gets it. He, he's a smart guy. Um, as soon as he came in the end of the first quarter, I told him they'll send me right, and I told him just to flip it, and I'm going to cut back, and I'm going to have you, I'm going to have the corner every time. And... Um, so it's easy to play with a guy that can kind of just watch it from, from where he's sitting and then go and execute it right away. Let, let me ask you about the pick and roll that you have with Derek Favors and with, with Rudy Gobert. Now, it looks like you delay a little bit with more so with, with, uh, with Derek, uh, and he gets the ball sooner. 
uh, a lot quicker, I guess, yeah. to the point where he can catch and catch on the move, where he can finish yeah. more so than Rudy. Yeah, I think for Fave, for I know that that kind of like free throw to the to the dots, he's got that floater, he's got the, obviously the dunk, yeah, um, and he can finish on the rim. Rudy rolls a bit kind of a bit quicker and gets on the front of the rim. We're releasing early, huh? Yeah, we're yeah. trying to get a, 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 obviously up high for for Rudy. So. Um, I think with, with each guy, Epe is different to those two, but you just kind of work out what works. And um, obviously, me and Faye have got a great connection. Me and Rudy's has got better and better as we've played together more and more. And um, it'll keep doing that until we, uh, until they fire me. This is your 300 consecutive right. game tonight, huh? Is it? Yeah. yeah. And your game. career high. And 27, oh. 27 points. You wow. Tied your nice career shot. high. What an amazing day. Yeah, you're. Yeah. I'm going to go home now and get some yeah. rest. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. See, See you on the plane. Thanks for the time. That's Joe Ingalls. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. Steve Carter did our work over at Intercap and really was just terrific. I, you know, I think I've probably, hopefully you've heard this story before you're a loyal listener, but we did a refinance a while back, saved just a huge amount of money, but the bigger issue is we got it done. I mean, that's just not something I get done. I'm not, that, I'm not a detail-oriented person. I get stressed out during the season with so much stuff going on. I'm not about to get things done. And this is like the essence of Steve Carter. He went and got it done. And now you just keep hearing from locked on listeners that this is the same story from everyone, whether it's Dave Thurman, who said, all I can say is Steve Carter is by far the best loan officer I've ever worked with. And that's saying some things I've done my fair share. Brad Hickman, who said the intercap lending was the best experience I've had in refinancing a home loan. Steve Carter gave me detailed options, customized my situation. For me, Steve Carter drove across town and got my papers. And he's done it for, at first I thought he might have done it because I was like, going to do ads for him. Turns out, no. Like, I've gotten emails from other people who's done the same. So check it out. Intercap Lending. They're growing. Uh, why? Because they get deals done, and that's what makes it cool. Steve Carter's direct line, tell me the Lockdown Jazz, you get the corporate discount, is 385-800-8528. 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Steve Carter, Intercap Lending, 385 800 85 Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. Tyson and the crew up in Woods Cross, also located in Logan. You know the trucks. Like, when we're talking Chevy, we're talking trucks. We're talking the Silverado. We're talking the Colorado. Absolutely incredible lineup of trucks. Chevy actually just has done that better than anyone else there. We're talking 90 years of connection between the Murdochs and Utah and Chevy. They've been together for 90 years. Chevy runs deep. I mean, that is a bread and butter part of our Americana and Utah. And then you, they now have the best truck lineup. They also have super SUVs. The Suburban and the Tahoe, you know well. The Equinox is the midsize. SUV. The Traverse has the three rows of seating and the Trailblazer, the Blazer is back. So great lineup of SUVs as well over at Murdoch Chevy for you. Stop by the Woods Cross store is right off the freeway by Woods Cross High School and you can also go up in Logan and check it out. But Chevy and you get the Murdoch guarantee. You get the car washes for life. You get the price match guarantee. You get it all from Murdoch Chevy. Stop by. Say hi to Tyson and the crew in Woods Cross. So I hope you enjoyed that Joe Ingles interview. I thought he gave some pretty interesting insight kind of into who he, how much he thinks the game uh, and everything else. Let me jump out to your questions and comments today. Uh, that's the whole point of doing the live show and, and seeing what you have to say. Um, let's see. Um, 
we got the we got the old moving forward question. Like, all right, we're four days away from the playoffs. We've got big matchups, but I want to talk about the future. Okay, Brandon Turpin, we will do that. Moving forward, if we could upgrade one of our starting five with an all-star caliber player, which would it be the best upgrade? And would any of our current starting five be willing to come off the bench? Well, I mean, you can't. So this is an absurd hypothetical. So this is, we are going to add a all-star caliber player without losing any players and ignore the salary cap completely. It's kind of what we've presented here. Um, I mean, I think if we could add a all-star caliber, which they don't really exist, um, stretch four. Sure, we had Anthony Davis would be great, I guess. Um you know, and have to figure out what we're doing in the 12 minutes where we lose favors. I haven't done the research on this well enough. Um, oh, but favors then just comes off the bench because he doesn't mind and is willing to do that. Um, I'm not sure I have. Um, uh, I'm not sure that I haven't done the research yet. I'm trying to figure out if you look at our lineups, what's, what's interesting about us as a team is there's just no question that. You know, the offense gets bogged down when Favors and Gobert are on the floor together. The defense is great, and we're still positive. But we're not as positive as we could be or as we are in other circumstances. And so I think I've talked about this before, but the the next step of research that needs to be done is, okay, when Favors and Gobert are on the floor <coughs> for their 10 minutes a night and we're only plus three, excuse that cough, um, and you contrast to that when, so if you were to fix that for those, call that 12 minutes a night, and you somehow you fix that because you get a stretch four in some capacity, what you lose is just for the sake of argument, the 12 minutes of night where Favors is the center playing the backup, and it's probably 14 minutes a night. And we're plus six in those circumstances, and even in our most used lineups, we're like plus 20. So when Neto, Corver, Ingles, Crowder, and Favors are on the floor, we're plus 21. When Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, Crowder, Favors are on the floor, we're plus 21. Um, we're in minus when it's Donovan, Royce, Corver, Crowder. So there's some weird kind of interplays, and there's not enough possessions to really know why. And when Dante's on with these guys, we're plus two. So anyway, we're plus five. It, if you lost that plus five in that time period so that you increased that plus other plus four – you know, is that, are you better off in the long run? And that's what we have to kind of keep an eye on. Um, the fact is that when Rudy's on the floor as the center with a stretch floor over the last two, if not three years, that's when we're at our best. This year we're at plus nine. We're in the 92nd percentile. And there's a pretty strong argument that that we're better off playing 34 minutes a night with Rudy as the center in a stretched lineup and then just figuring out what we're doing for the other 14 minutes at center and trying to be, you know, even. If we're even, I think you come out better in that circumstance. So that would be it. But there, I don't know who an, an all-star caliber stretch for is. I actually think, like, one of the big misnomers in this league is the fact that you um, – is that there's all these really good stretch fours. I actually don't think that's true. Um, now, Jay happens to be probably on the low end of shooting in regards, but he brings so many other things. How minor or major are team issues? Injuries. Well, Dante's major. He's out. Um, Rubio, to me, seems significant because it's the same hamstring that's coming up, and last year he wore out as the season went on and wasn't 
you know, he just he has said it himself that like he got to the playoffs, had never been to the playoffs before, and just didn't have the body to make it through. Um, you know, I also think the fact that Ricky's only play can only play seventy games this year should be a little disconcerting. Um, in, in regards to looking at him toward the future, I, he's 28 years old. He sh- I, there shouldn't be, you know, maybe it's just a fluke, but he's been a 76, 75, 77 player, and all of a sudden he's going to be 70 this year um, or less. Uh, Derek's, you know, anytime you're dealing with a back, I don't think that's good. And, you know, we've seen Derek fight through that back numerous times where he wasn't at full strength, so that doesn't seem good. Jay, I think, is probably pretty minor. Um who am I forgetting? Oh, Kyle. I mean, Kyle's 37 years old and got a knee issue. It's not great. And Kyle wasn't shooting very well beforehand. So um, these aren't great. And I think I don't know that we can beat Sacramento. And I don't know that we can. I, I don't know that we win any of our next four games um, if we're as limited as we were last night. That's that's a pretty tough ask. Um, all right. Rod, Grayson Allen has had his progress been this year. He'll be joining. He'll. Uh, I mean, so Grayson had a great night last night. Helps to be guarded by Jimmer. Um, but he had a great night last night. I think the D League or the G League was really valuable to him in his ability to just kind of get out of his shell and really play and really play hard last night like he did. I think that that was terrific. Um, and he was he was really good last night. You know, he's got to make shots. And defensively, he's very limited. And that's what he's going to have to figure out is how to move his feet and be a better defensive player. Um, for him to be able to play last night, the matchup was was favorable to him, and so he didn't he did not have a problem uh, handling the matchups at all last night. All right, uh, need to remember that Rubio has been playing professionally since he was fourteen. Yeah, actually, Igor made a big deal about that last night, um, talking about the level that um, uh, that you know the pressure he's had, and that he was very much the European LeBron. Have you seen the Gilbert Arenas podcast talking about successful teams don't have a pass first point guard? He went through the years and it seemed to hold up for the champs. That's interesting. I have not. Um, I know the Gilbert Arenas podcast is a big part of Himalaya, uh, who's obviously doing sponsorships with us. Um, I did not know that. Um, does that totally vibe? Well, there's probably two lines to this. So do they have a pass-first point guard, or do they just have – I'm trying to think here. So Miami, you would who was their – they just didn't have a point guard. The Spurs, Tony Parker would be pass-first point guard to me. I guess maybe not for Gilbert. Um, you know, the Bulls team had kind of no point guard, very similar to the Miami Heat did. It's interesting. I mean, there aren't very many pass-first point guards left in the NBA. You gotta be able to shoot it now. Like, come on, you gotta be able to shoot it. Um, how awesome was it to sit in front of Bowler and Matt? It was awesome. Thank you to Al McCoy, the greatness of the Phoenix Suns announcer, who still holds that cloud to get that done for us. Um, it was totally awesome yesterday. We greatly appreciate that, and um, it's how it should be because we're the real artists who need to see the minute details. They have the TV screen there to help them out. He says with a smirk, "If you're listening to the live show." Um, all right, let me get to some more of the questions and comments just because they're no longer on my desktop. Um, we'll get to, get to those in a second. Today's show is also brought to you to, by Homie. Homie is revolutionizing the real estate world for you to save you money and let you get more equity. Here's how it works. For years, we've just decided that 
because this is how it works. You get 6% on real estate agents. Just get that. But, like, why? Has anyone asked the question of, like, why? Why would they get that much? Well, Homie decided that they don't. And Homie just built a team of people to work with you that allows you to be able to still have the success. Homie is houses are selling um, faster than market value, and they're selling for more money than market value. And here's the cool thing. When you list your house, it's just simple. You pay a flat fee of $1,500 to list. It doesn't matter what your house sells for. It doesn't matter what your house, um, you know, if you did a huge remodel and now all of a sudden your house is worth more, why does your agent get more? These things don't entirely make sense. And Homie is changing the real estate world in that fashion and for you. Learn more about Homie and how they do it with their team approach. Text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. That's LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. Find out more about Homie by texting LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588 and get yourself more equity on your deal. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's run through some of the questions. Um, early tip off episodes were so fun. I was in college back then. Yeah, this is the scary thing is like, I'm old now, as you can see, if you're watching live on Facebook and I now have these people who've like listened to me for 20 plus years. It's a little, it's a little daunting. Um, you recently spoke about the jazz and the bucks have a significant statistical analytical advantage on the rest of the NBA. Do you think other teams will be able to copy, uh, this effect in the coming year? I think the same ways that happened to the Rockets who had this huge advantage. Now other teams have a different advantage on them. So yes, I do think um, that advantage will dwindle over time. Teams will figure it out, but Bud and Quinn are ahead of the game right now in what they're doing. Um, Last night was another one. I think our final numbers last night were 41% of our shots were at the rim and 41% of our shots were at three. It's just incredible to have your shot distribution be this good every single night. 42% of our shots were at the rim. 41% of our shots were at the three. We took only two long mid-range twos the entire game. Um, we took 14 mid-range shots total. That's all. I mean, this it's we had a, an enormous advantage last night. We took 10 more threes. We actually took less shots at the rim um, than Phoenix did last night, and we got to the line, I think, more than Phoenix did. Phoenix took 43 shots at the rim last night, which is not great, but, we, but then there's Rudy, and they only made 51% of them. Uh... Would using the pack model be an effective tool on draft prospects? I don't think so. I have yet to do it. 
Um, I do have some numbers I really look at with draft prospects. I think catch and shoot is super important. I think some pick and roll synergy numbers are shooting are super important to know. Um, Landry Shamit came out pretty well in my numbers last year and is having a pretty good year. Uh, David from Riley Wilcox. Is this uneven season scheduling something the league should look into next season or is it irrelevant? Do you think it harmed or aided the Jazz in any way? I think it's irrelevant. I think we play all 82. I do think it formed the narrative of the season, which isn't really that important, but I do think that that is what took place, is that the narrative of the season got written based on scheduling for Oklahoma City and Denver compared to Utah, and that when we finish this thing, you know, I think Denver's going to finish with about 54 wins, and the Spurs are going to finish with about 50, 48, and we're going to be kind of as closely knit as we thought it was going to be um, when the season started. So, um you know, I'm not sure I think Paul George was an MVP candidate the whole year, and I'm not entirely sold that Paul George's shoulder is the problem right now. Um, I think they're just playing better teams. Um, but, I, you know, I don't give them much of a break. Uh, we frequently talk about the Favors-Gobert pairing, usually focusing on the challenge of playing them together. But on the other side of the coin, how important is it to the Jazz offense is to have a full 40 minutes of a high-level rim roller? Is that as valuable as having a stretch four, assuming... We can survive the time they play together. Um, I mean, this is kind of what I talked about earlier. Just you have to figure out. I think you have to be very clinical about it and figure out if Rudy was playing 36 minutes of the night, 35 minutes of the night with a stretch and we're plus nine when he's on with a stretch, regardless of who it is seemingly. Is that and you then lose the. 14 minutes, or if I'm taking 35, it's 13 minutes. 14 minutes of favors as the four. What What's the impact, or as favors as the five, what's the impact of that in contrast to gaining the 14 minutes where you have Rudy now playing the whole time of the stretch? And then I think you have to talk about what is that impact on Donovan and some other guys. It would make us a more offensive-minded team, which might be necessary. Um, and then the bottom line is if we get into the playoffs and we can't play favors and go bear together like we couldn't last year then um then i think that that's um you know i think then that's telling that's what happened last year what is the percentage of three-pointers made off a kyle corver assist i think three-point shooting i think a three-point shot becomes an even higher percentage shot when he is making the assist because he's such a great shooter um, could I figure that out quickly? Let me see what I could do here. Um, well, just off a of Kyle Korver, so you don't care about, you just think it's a Kyle Korver for pass anywhere. Um, Kyle doesn't pass a huge amount. Um, that's not really his role. So we could find this for you. So off passes to shooter for Utah Jazz players. Um, so the number one shooting percentage is off Kyle Corvus passes. How about that? Nice job. 74% effective field goal percentage from Kyle, 62 from Neto, 61 from Exum, 61 from Rubio, 59 from Crowder, 58 from Ingles, 57 from Gobert, 56 from Donovan, 53 from Favors, and 52% from Royce O'Neal. Um, and they, Corver also gives people the best shots. Um, 
at 61%, and, t- and we're far exceeding the effective field goal percentage you'd have with them. That's an interesting note on Rubio there. I mean, Rubio's at 61%, Donovan's at 56 for all the kind of discussion all year long about. Now, players shoot better off of Donovan's passes for some reason. I'm not entirely sure um, why that is, but good find. Good find there. Um, I can introduce you to Joe Ingles, Matt. I promise it'll happen. I don't know when. Um, are we going to have our players back for the playoffs? I think so, but I don't really know. Um, I mean, back injuries, who knows, right? Knee injuries, who knows? Hamstring injuries, who knows? Um... Could one factor Donovan's early season inefficiency that he was trying to get to the line more, knowing that he was an area of improvement? I just think there was a lot. I think that he didn't have a great offseason with the foot uh, being in a boot. I think he probably, in retrospect, traveled too much in the offseason. I think he had the pressure of being Donovan Mitchell, and he wasn't quite sure how to be Donovan Mitchell again. Um, I think we were playing really good teams. I... I think the expectations on him were a little out of whack to who he was a year ago. Like his year this year is so much better than last year's in regards to big scoring games, and yet we probably don't feel that way. Um, I just think it was a lot of things converging at once, and he got through it beautifully, and it's been great. And the other thing is he's making shots, right? Like we can go do all this other stuff, but the fact of the matter is he's making shots. Like if you go – I did the deep dive on him. We did we did the show on it yesterday. Um I mean, he's making threes. He's gone from making 30% of his threes to 40% of his threes. You know, he went from making, you know, 8 of 30 corner threes to making 18 of 37. He went from making his catch-and-shoot game, um, went from, you know, is is over 50% now since January 1st. His off-the-bounce game is not that different. His mid-range game is actually less good. Um... Let me. I just want to touch on Jimmer before we're done. Okay, so I'm not. I'm not. If if someone can't hear this, um, then it's useless. So just. But I just actually think it's interesting. So so why? Like why? If we've watched Jimmer the last few games, it's really abundantly obvious why he's not an NBA player, and it's interesting. So Dave Rose's system. He played one on one and got to dance and go to work. And the NBA is a pick and roll game, and he can't play pick and roll. Like, if you watch him, every single time he comes off a pick and roll, he doesn't drive, he retreats back, gets his man on ISO, and goes to work. ISO's hard in this league. It's against the best defenders in the world who are long and bigger, and he doesn't have the athleticism to beat them. So then he can't really play ISO, he can't get to the rim, so his only choice now is to be just kind of a mid-range pull-up one-on-one player. Like, they don't really exist in this league unless they're... I don't know who those... I don't actually know who that would be. I mean, maybe Drew Holiday? And then physically, just nowhere near that player. Defensively, he's got no chance which we all kind of knew. Um, and so if you watch him, like the player everybody wanted him to be, and you look at his his game, his game just doesn't happen to translate. Like it's not a – it's actually a great reminder to me. Like I said this on the bus last night, Jimmer is actually a pretty good reminder of how totally great all the players are in the NBA because Jimmer's a good basketball player, obviously, and he looks completely outclassed and doesn't look like a player at all. And – if you if you watch the details of it, and he's really good, and that just tells you how great these guys are. So I actually think it's been a really interesting. I'm not trying to pick on him, but like, so like, how could it be that a top ten pick who actually makes shots doesn't play in the league? And and that's this is why. Like he 
is not a natural pick-and-roll player. He's not a pick-and-roll drive-and-dish player. He's not a dish player. He's a one-on-one, go-to-work, dance, do his thing against the world's greatest athletes, trying to beat them one-on-one. It's an incredibly difficult task that he's not able to achieve. Um, And that's why he, you know, and then for whatever reason, his three-point shooting's not as good. You know, since he's come back this time, it's not as good as over last night. But um, and he's not really a catch and shoot player, right? He's not actually a spot up, go sit and wait in the corner and get the ball like Eddie House. That was the player I thought he would be in his career was Eddie House, who's a little bigger, but became a really good spot up shooter, played without the ball. Um, and that's not who Jimmer is. So it's really clear, kind of, if you watch him, why this has happened. And I think it's interesting. Like it's an interesting basketball analysis. Um, that wasn't, you know, I'm sure. Jimmer's a sensitive topic, and people are, oh, you're criti- I'm Yeah, fine, whatever. Um, I'm telling you from a basketball standpoint why this has happened, and it's interesting, and it's something that's dear and close to the heart of many people. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked on Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked on Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked on Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.